Welcome to Midi the Podcast, a modern day podcast designed to answer all of your weird and wonderful pregnancy and postpartum questions. I'm your host, Monique Maitland, qualified midwife and nurse, founder of the Midi Society, and someone who is about to become your personal in-pocket midwife and virtual best friend. The Midi Society is a community-based platform where we interview leading healthcare professionals, new mummers and everyday people who share with us their experiences and reveal what they wish they knew before becoming a parent. So buckle up for this crazy and exciting ride. I'll be talking all things tits, bits, spew and poo. All right, let's get started. Today's episode is proudly brought to you by Her Keeper, an inclusive place to find beautifully curated products to assist you or a mama-to-be's journey into pregnancy and postpartum care. In today's episode, I speak with Carla Sykes about her motherhood experience. Carla's son, Ethan, was diagnosed with spina bifida at 20 weeks gestation. Early in pregnancy, his spinal cord had failed to close properly, which resulted in part of it being exposed in a fluid-filled sac protruding from his lower back. Once Carla received Ethan's diagnosis, there was no question that she needed to do whatever she could to give him the best outcome in life. At 24 weeks, the decision was made for both Ethan and Carla to undergo a rare and complex in utero surgery at Madame Mother's Hospital in Brisbane, which was the 12th of its kind across all of Australia and New Zealand, in an attempt to help increase the likelihood of Ethan being able to walk unaided. This surgery put both her life and Ethan's life at risk. Ethan, Carla and their entire family have had to overcome a lot of obstacles in a short period of time. But Ethan truly is a little miracle who is kicking goals today. Both Carla and I hope that this conversation helps to raise awareness about spina bifida. Please welcome the lovely Carla. Hello everyone and welcome back to Midi the Podcast. Today I am joined by the extraordinary woman Carla Sykes. So Carla, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? I can. So I'm Carla. I am 33 years old. I live in Nipoon with my partner Mick and we have six amazing children. Um, We have a construction company also so I'm um, in charge of that I'd like to say but really I'm just in the office doing what I can there. Well, you keep it running and I don't know how you do that with six beautiful kids running around. You're amazing. Oh, thank you. Wouldn't have um, it any other way. Oh, I'm sure you wouldn't even know it any different anymore. That's right. So how old are all of your children? So I have Blake who is 14. He'll be 15 in November. And then Mason is eight, Flynn seven, Palia is four, Georgia is two, and then Ethan is four months old um, with a corrected age of one month. Oh my goodness. So busy and so amazing. I absolutely love that. Thank you. Um, and I'm super excited to chat with you today, Carla, because I came across your story um, in one of the news articles because you're beautiful littlest one Ethan he was born with spina bifida and was diagnosed with spina bifida early on in your pregnancy um can you share a little bit about your pregnancy with Ethan yes um so found out I was pregnant it would have just been after new year's I think into the new year 
Um, so obviously over the moon excited. Um, did have morning sickness for 18 weeks, um, which was not that great, but no. you just do what you have to. Um, we only really announced um, that we were pregnant with him after I did start feeling better. So around that 18 week mark. Um, and then two weeks later at our 20 week ultrasound, he was diagnosed with spina bifida. So he had um, the most severe form of spina bifida. Um, it's called myelomeningocele. Um, so that was oh, obviously the hardest, hardest news mm. ever to swallow. So mm. yeah. Absolutely. And spina bifida does affect one in 2000 Australian pregnancies, but you never imagine something like this happening to your own child, which I'm sure that's how you felt. Can you share with us a little bit what it was like when you got that diagnosis? Wow. Um, you're going to make me cry. (laughs) It was hard. Um, yeah, because like you said, you don't go into your appointment thinking that anything's ever going to be wrong. Um, no. On the ultrasound, though, because obviously the sonographer had the ultrasound in front of us, um, we were looking. We didn't want to find out the sex. We were going to keep his gender a secret. Um, so she would move the screen away at times, and I just assumed that was because he had his legs open, maybe. But um, mm-hmm. I did catch a glimpse of... It was like a round, large mass that I did see on the ultrasound. Um, and I guess being my sixth baby, I have seen a few ultrasounds and I thought that doesn't look like it's meant to be there. Um, mm. The sonographer was really positive and lovely. She just kept saying how everything was amazing. So I didn't even think to question anything. Um, my obstetrician called me in three days later and said, um, can we move your appointment forward? I said, that's totally fine. I still did not think anything of it. Um, got to my appointment and um, he basically just said that they found an abnormality on um, the baby on the 20 week ultrasound. Um, and that's when he said that the bubby had spina bifida. Um, yeah, so obviously, oh yeah, just so hard. Just I, can even just picture myself now seeing myself in that obstetrician's room it's just the hardest thing ever um Mm. I guess I was in a form of shock um disbelief um but yeah it oh brings back a lot of memories were you in that appointment by yourself or was your husband I was by myself yes so would have made it hard I know yes um my obstetrician did say that he could let the family know just because obviously I was not really in the state to be I guess talking giving such a detailed um diagnosis when I was just I guess such a mess um Mm. but I wanted to let mum and dad and Mick and the family know so that was hard but everyone was so supportive um yeah. And my obstetrician didn't leave no stone unturned. He just went ahead and organised everything for me um, for the future with our care and pregnancy. So I didn't have to do anything in that way. Yeah. Do you remember some of the conversations in that appointment that were had with you? Because obviously there probably would have been some tough discussions that were had. There was. There were a few. Um, so obviously I was given my options on what... I could do with the pregnancy, um, termination being one of them, but 
that didn't even cross my mind. Mm. Um, so it was either just I wanted to know what we had to do, um, when we had to do it, and how we had to do it. Um, so it was either surgery in utero or surgery once Bobby was born. Um, there was a criteria I had to meet to have the in utero surgery. Um, so which is, that was all scheduled in at um, my, I guess, maternal fetal medicine appointment, mm. which was down at Marta Mothers in Brisbane. So, mm. yeah. A lot of big conversations to be had and obviously you know you probably weren't too familiar with spina bifida when you first got the diagnosis and must have had a lot of questions and what the outcomes would look like and what your options were moving forward I can't even imagine how tough it would have been but I'm sure you were just running on adrenaline wanting to get to that next part to make sure that everything was going to be okay for your baby Ethan mm-hmm. that's it um, I was just so determined to do whatever I could do um, to give him the best chance at life. Um, yeah, so um, I did meet with my maternal fetal medicine um, doctor and we just went over the criteria that I had to meet to have surgery. Um, so we had to have an MRI done, um, some genetic testing just to make sure there was no other issues with Ethan. Um, they wouldn't put him through that operation as well as myself. It's quite a brutal surgery um so they wouldn't put us through that if the outcomes at the end weren't going to be the best they could be yeah and for people listening i'm sure there's going to be a few people that are like what i didn't even know that there was even a potential to have a surgery done on the baby whilst they're still in utero had you ever heard of anything like that or was that another shock for you yeah so i um yeah i'm still amazed now that they can do that and that we we did that um i didn't know things like that were possible um even just down to spina bifida i knew what spina bifida was but as to the extent um Mm. of what it can do to a person um yeah i didn't know any of that until obviously having ethan diagnosed with it um, yeah. But yeah, it's all still amazing, the surgery and what they can do and how they do it all. And yeah, it's, it's really amazing. Do you mind sharing with us, I guess, when that decision was made for you to have that surgery and what the surgery actually involved? Mm-hmm. So, um, as I said, we went down to um, Brisbane to have our um, appointment at Marta Mothers. Um, so it was decided then that that's what I wanted to do. Well, that's what we wanted to do was to have the surgery. Um, there was about a two week wait just with getting results back, um, scheduling, um, the surgery, just moving forward with that. Um, so it was decided that surgery would take place on the 2nd of June. So from finding out Ethan's diagnosis of having spina bifida to that surgery date was Mm -hmm. only, I think. 24 days so um, a lot happened in that 24 days but I just knew that that's what I wanted to do I just felt that that was the best decision for us as a family and for Ethan yeah and correct me if I'm wrong but basically Ethan's spinal cord was exposed yes so yes so it didn't form um I think it is l4 l5 along the spine so um on ultrasound, it just looked like 
like that mass that I saw. It was just mm. like a round lump on the back of his back. Um, but then it would just be a clear fluid sack and all of his spinal cords and nerves were just, I guess, floating around in that lower section. So, mm. yeah. And the aim of the surgery was to try and improve that and increase the likelihood that obviously when he grows up that he is able to you know walk unaided yes so either way he would have had to have the surgery once born um but having it done in utero um you obviously preserve what function the baby already has so the longer the spinal cord is i guess exposed it's constantly doing damage inside by hitting the womb walls um and as bobby gets bigger there's no not much space as such so to get in there and repair it sooner rather than later you are i guess yeah making a chance yeah yeah so it's insane isn't it it's a lot to take in i guess i'm still kind of dealing with it now it's only been four months so it's yeah, it's still just hearing me say it. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. It is amazing and it's a lot for Ethan to go through at a young age, but it is also so much for you to go through in a short period of time. And as you said, you're still catching up and processing it because it's been a bit of a roller coaster since that diagnosis for you and your family. It has been, yes. So um, we actually, I had to move to Brisbane um, to be close to the hospital. So I left um, all my children at home with Mick. Um, so that was hard. We only lasted two weeks away, the girls and I did. So the girls came down to stay mm. with um, me and my mum. But to be away, just to all be spread out for that long, um, it's hard, it was hard on all the kids too. They just didn't know what was going on really. Yeah. They wanted to be with their mum. Yes. Super yeah, hard time. Um, and when the surgeon was explaining a little bit about the surgery, can you share with us what they actually had to do and how they were going to do it? Yes. So um, I was put under um, an epidural endospinal block and also general anaesthetic. Um, which I believe passed through the placenta, obviously, to Bubby, which um, would put them to sleep as well, him to sleep. Um, And then so they cut through um, my stomach. So I have a large um, scar now from just below my belly button all the way down to my pubic bone. Um, So they cut through that um, and then they actually bring my uterus out. Um, So in his sack was placed I guess on the outside of my stomach and they cut through the amniotic sack um, and then maneuver Bubby around to get just the defect out I guess um, and then delicately repair his back and then essentially just put it all back together but um, even just how they cut the amniotic sac and then have to replace that fluid like they've just thought of everything so Mm. much detail just to replace the fluid with what needs to be in there at the right temperature um yeah it's just so amazing um when they were explaining all these things to you obviously it's quite confronting to know that you know you've got to go to your baby has to 
to go to sleep and then actually already cutting you open and then taking a uterus out and doing all those things what what was your response to that wow. um I, I, you're probably looking back on it now and being like oh my goodness it is actually a lot I know I just I, when you were saying all that to me I, my instant response was going to be like disbelief like that's mm. just it's ridiculous really um it is. but at that time I was just like yeah you do it that that's what you have to do you do it um, mm. but now yeah having time to reflect and look back on it it's just amazing um and also I guess what could have gone wrong at that time I wasn't thinking I wasn't in a negative mind frame um mm. but then when you do have time to reflect back on it I guess then you could think oh wow well, that that was such a big deal this could have gone wrong that could have gone wrong it could have had yeah. a totally different outcome it's huge because you know it's obviously taking a baby out of its natural environment mm -hmm. and fiddling with things that shouldn't be fiddled with yes. during that time and ethan was how many weeks 24 weeks before yeah so he would have been like about one kilo or so yeah tiny um and it does increase the risk of your pregnancy you know there's risk that maybe ethan was going to be born right then and there and that obviously your risk of any sort of rupture or any other complications mm -hmm. yeah so i did have to have those hard conversations with um the neonatal doctor just about how far we would want to take life with ethan if he was had to like if he had to be born at that point um that was probably one of the hardest conversations I've ever had to have. Um, mm. It's hard thinking about it now, actually. But yeah, yeah. yeah I, but again, I was just so confident that we were making the right decision. So, and you did make the right decision. Yes, and it's probably easier now to like know that. But at the time, I'm sure there was aspects where you were like, "Is this the right thing? Is this not the right thing?" You know, is it fair for me to do this to myself and to him? And you would have been going through a lot of emotions in a very short window of time. Yes. Um, also, just the other kids too. Um, death was a main risk for both Ethan and myself. Um, so just to put myself through that, and but that could have also put all the other children through that. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just, yeah, the, the big risk that we took. But we're all okay at the minute so that's good <laughs> yeah and how amazing are you oh, thank like you. <laughs> it is incredibly brave mm -hmm. to put yourself through that and I think it just highlights how like the love that you have for him mm -hmm. and like the love that you would do absolutely anything to give him the best chance at life yes that's it yeah um, I mean we think he's perfect no matter what um, so we wouldn't change a single thing about him. So um, yeah. he's just a real little miracle. Absolutely. How long did the surgery actually take? I think it was about four to five hours. Um, obviously, I was asleep, but I can remember, um, yeah, the surgery is booked at one thirty, and I think I came to kind of um, in recovery around six-ish. Um, so for yeah. me, it was the blink of an eye but I guess for everyone else it was such a long wait just waiting to hear the good news that mum and bub are doing good so yeah 
And how did um your partner go during that time as well? I think he was okay. He doesn't really say much. Um, mm. But, yeah, he's been so amazing, so supportive. Um, he's been my rock. So, um, yeah, I think... I think when Ethan was born, he did cry at that point. Um, but otherwise, he's been so strong throughout it all. Mm. And it's a lot to go through as a family, as you said. You know, there was lots of risks and you sacrificed so much to go through this. And you did an amazing job, Carla. You really did. Thank you. Um, and then once you woke up from surgery... And you got the news that everything went really well. How did you feel? Really good. I think I can remember waking up and asking my anaesthetist, is my baby okay? Um, and I remember him saying yes. And that's all I can remember, I guess, for that whole night. Um, little did I know, he came and saw me the next morning and said I asked him, I think he said 150 times, I asked, is my baby okay? <laughs> yeah, we couldn't um, remember. But just a relief that... I guess surgery was done. Um, obviously, I was nervous for the surgery, scared, but it was like a relief that it was getting done. Um, it was almost like a milestone in the pregnancy. Um, mm. so to have that done and for everything to be as perfect as possible, um, it was, yeah, such a relief, such a happy time as such. Yeah, I bet. And had many of those surgeries been not like, had. Um the hospital done many of those surgeries before so um my doctor dr glenn gardner first introduced this surgery back in 2016 at the mother mother's hospital in brisbane and um, so ethan and i were the 12th mother and baby in australia and new zealand to have the surgery um so before that babies had to wait till once they were born to have the surgery or go overseas if if that was the option so I do feel very blessed that we actually met the criteria to be able to have that surgery. I know it's not right for every family, um, but for mm. us, um, it was definitely the right decision we feel yeah. like Do you remember some of that criteria to actually be eligible for that surgery? Yes. So, um, as I mentioned before, we had to have the MRI and some genetic testing done. So, mm. um there had to be no other abnormalities with Bubby. Um, it had to be done within the time frame of 24 weeks to 25 weeks gestation. Um, also, um, Ethan has a Chiari 2 malformation um, where the, I guess, neck and spine meet. Um, so I believe that is another um, criteria that they kind of have to have that malformation. Um, mm. It also has to be um, an open myelomeningocele rather than a closed. So skin um, didn't have to be over it. So um, he, there's also ventricles in the brain and they had to be at a certain measurement. Um, Ethan's actually did go slightly over. Um, and I remember having that head ultrasound done on him and just thought that that's our chance is gone. Um, mm. But because it was just slightly, they said, no, we'll go ahead with the surgery. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And how did you recover after the surgery? So for the first 48 hours after um, surgery was done, I was still under the epidural and spinal block. So mm. I was obviously not moving from 
oh, I didn't move at all, to be honest. I just laid there and breathed. Um, and was that to prevent any I think just to keep movement me, or anything? Yeah, just to keep me as still as possible. Yeah. Yeah, to keep me as still as possible. Um, so once they kind of took it out and turned it off as such, um, I did try to be a hero and not have any pain relief. Um, I think I lasted an hour, but oh my goodness, it, it was horrible. Um, so instead of having a pain management, we were on like a pain catch-up schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just constant 24-hour um, around-the-clock pain relief um, for about eight, da- eight days. Um, I was wheelchair in a wheelchair, so I wasn't allowed to walk which was also hard, which caused my sciatic pain to go through the roof. So I was dealing with that as well as post-surgery pain. Um, But, yeah, it's almost like labour. Like, I remember that, but I don't remember how bad it was. I know it was bad, but I I just couldn't couldn't compare it to anything else. Like, I couldn't say, you know, how this feels, that's how it felt. But it was bad. And with any of your other children... Had you had, what type of births had you had with them? So they were all natural um, vaginal births, um, no complications throughout pregnancy. Um, the three boys were born at 38 weeks. Palia came right on her due date. Um, Georgia, so that's my two-year-old, she was born at 36 weeks, um, just premature rupture of membranes. Um, we did, she had a velamentous cord insertion with her placenta and Vasa Previa. Um, yeah which I guess that was a life and death situation, but it kind of all rectified itself around the 30 weeks. So most of them were straightforward, easy pregnancies. Yeah. So this was a very different experience for you. Yes, 100%. We'll be right back to the episode after this short ad break, proudly brought to you by Her Keeper. Her Keeper is an inclusive place to find beautifully curated products to assist you or a mama-to-be's journey into pregnancy and postpartum care. Browse online from a range of gorgeous bundles to make gift giving so easy. They truly support mum and baby, offering keepsake and comfort products to soothe through pregnancy, birth and postpartum recovery, including some of our favourites such as Hucker, Partum Panties, Mere and Clean Naturals, ranges to just name a few. Her Keeper also offer a range of modern menstrual care alternatives, self-care items, we all know we need them, herbal teas to support hormonal stages and mementos for gifting. They are simply the place to turn to for self-care and to support the special women in your life. Check out their online store now at herkeeper.com.au and follow at herkeeperau on Instagram or Facebook today. Now back to the show. And it wasn't a little surgery that you went through. Like it was a major surgery and I have no doubts that it was tough to recover and, you know, you've got five other children that you've got to you know, be there and show up for each day as well. Yeah. And then moving forward, you ended up having to deliver Ethan prematurely. Can you share a little bit more about why that happened and what that was like? Yeah. So I think it was the 19th of June. um, I woke up to go to the toilet. Um, It was 2am in the morning. And when I went to the toilet, I was bleeding. Um, so I called my doctor and he said to get down to um, the emergency 
um, at Mater Mothers straight away at the pregnancy centre there. So I went down and was monitored and I was um, going into labour. So mm. they um, stopped that with medication. They stopped it so many, well, tried to stop it so many times. Um, mm. I was closely monitored then. Ethan was closely monitored as well. Um, so my waters had half broken as such, but I also had a hematoma on the incision site on my uterus. So um, on the inside, there was a large hematoma, which was causing me to bleed. Um, yeah. Then my waters had half broken as well. How so, many weeks was Ethan at this point? Um, so just before 27. So he was born at 27 weeks and two days. So, um, yeah, like a couple of days before that. So mm. closely monitored. Um it just got to the point where we were just, I was going into labour and stopping it, going into labour and stopping it. Um, so that was continuous for three days. It just got yeah. to the point where they couldn't stop it anymore. The drugs that they were using didn't do anything. Um, and then I was losing too much blood as well. So they just made the call that emergency caesarean was needed. And obviously after the in utero surgery that you had, you knew that there was a potential risk of going into premature labour. Yes. How did you feel when it was all happening and the decision was made that you required an emergency caesarean with a 20, you know, 27 weeker? To be honest, at that point, I was glad because I was just over going into labour, experiencing obviously not full blown labour, but there was at times that I was in pain with contractions. So to have that stop and start and to then think this could go on for another 10 weeks, that was quite daunting. Yeah. Um, and I just had so much confident in, confidence in my doctors that Ethan would be fine. Um, again, it wasn't till I think a month later when I actually stopped and thought, wow, he was born at 27 weeks and two days. Again, what could have gone wrong? Um, I, he may not have made it. So um, at that point, and also part of me was excited to meet my baby. Yeah, but 100%. Yeah, I think, yeah, I was just trying to keep such a positive and determined outlook on the whole situation that I didn't really let those negative thoughts step in, which is really amazing because at that point in time, now looking back, that was such a, a risky thing. You were obviously just on this pathway that no matter what nothing was going to deter you from meeting your baby and yeah. your activity and mindset was amazing like it was so positive that I really think that's what sort of got you through those yeah. tough days yeah definitely just shows the power of the mind and being able to overcome these tough challenges yeah 100% and when you birthed Ethan and did you know that he was a boy at this point? No, so we did find out. Um, so obviously wasn't going to find out, but then once I found out he had the spina bifida, um, we kind of made the decision to find out if he was a boy or a girl. Um, we just felt like we wanted to know who the little fighter was inside. So um, yeah. we found out he was a boy then. So And there is a bit of a meaning behind his name, isn't there? There is. So I had always loved the name Ethan. So um, Ethan was on my boy's name list for 
obviously this pregnancy. Um, once he got the spina bifida diagnosed, I kind of wanted to name him something that meant strong. Mm -hmm. So I Googled, so obviously then thought, well, Ethan can take the back seat in the name department. Um, yeah. Googled baby boys names meaning strong and Ethan was number one on the list. So Amazing. To me, that's just meant to be. 100% meant to be. Yeah. And when you finally got to meet Ethan, how was his condition? And because when you had the surgery in utero, you didn't actually know how successful it was going to be in terms of helping with his spina bifida. That's right. So um, essentially I didn't get to hold him until he was 24 hours old. Um, so straight away after he was born, I think he needed 30 seconds of assisted breathing and then was popped straight onto the CPAP machine. Um, mm -hmm. So I did get to see him briefly. Um, I touched his cheek. I can remember that. Um, yeah. It was so hard really to take that moment in. He was wrapped up in a plastic bag. There was cords and tubes and lines everywhere. Um, and then holding him 24 hours later was absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. But it was more so holding, like I said, cords and lines and tubes and yeah, every like so it was more of that than baby um he actually then was rushed off for emergency bowel surgery on day two um so i've had so much other things to deal with that i don't think it was until he was three four days old that i actually stopped and looked at him and noticed his complete leg movement in both legs down to his toes and just thought wow that that's amazing like he can yeah I've got so many videos on my phone of just his legs and feet moving. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, which is amazing because there would have been some tough conversations initially when he was diagnosed with what an outcome for a baby with spina bifida looks like. Mm -hmm. To then have him wriggling his legs and his toes, it just would have been such a relief. It really was. Um, and just being told that your child might not walk, um, and might not be able to use the toilet properly, um, just to have to learn how to catheterize your child, like just all of these big things that we have never dealt with. Um, so it was a shock really. Um, it really has though changed the way that I look at the word normal and perfect because we think Ethan is normal and perfect just mm -hmm. the way he is. Um, so if, if he needed help walking, well, that's perfect to us. Um, yeah. But then to see his feet and everything move after being told it may not work, yeah, that's just amazing. We're so grateful. And it's absolutely amazing. And it's a credit to you and your surgeons. And, you know, Ethan is obviously such a fighter and so resilient and just an amazing little person because he's endured a lot in a short period of time he really has where when you started to see that movement and the doctors see that movement were they really positive about the surgery they were um i guess his spina bifida diagnosis did um kind of come second because he was born so premature um and as i mentioned he had a emergency bowel surgery so he had a few other things going on that was more pressing than his um, spina bifida diagnose. Um, mm. But I have had two separate doctors um, on different occasions tell me that Ethan, his leg movement is absolutely amazing. They're so impressed. Um, they said he's too good for spina bifida. 
So just even to hear them say that, like it just brings you to tears, happy tears that, yeah, yeah it's just, yeah, amazing. I think I've said amazing so many times in this. In this it is week. amazing though. And I think I like it really is unbelievable. Yeah. Because it is so amazing. You know, we're so fortunate that our like medical training has advanced so much and that this was it was even a possibility to have that in utero surgery um that i know exactly why you've said amazing because i think i've said amazing a hundred times too um but obviously having a very premature baby at 28 weeks they do have respiratory issues you know they can't maintain their temperature they still need to be an environment that mimics the utero environment because they still need to grow and develop um and things are not fully formed yet and you mentioned that ethan had that hole in his bowel but he also had some other complications can you explain to us a little bit more about that yes so he also suffered with hydrocephalus um i think that's how you say it um Mm -hmm. which is fluid um build up um in the ventricles in the brain so he had close monitor monitoring of his head circumference. So we were doing um, every day a head circumference. Um, and I mean, in the little red books, I think they're Australia wide, the little red books for the babies. In Melbourne. Right. But yeah. has a red up here. But um, the, the graphs that you follow for their weight, length, um, head circumference, his was all over the place um, with his head. Um, it was up five centimetres one day, then down and up. It was just ridiculous um so he also had a procedure called tapping where they would insert a needle into his head and drain excess fluid out um so then his head circumference would go back down so this was a constant thing for him in the NICU um so a decision was made um to have a first brain surgery which they um inserted I think it's called a subgaleal ventricular conduit (laughs) Yes. So that just allowed the fluid to fill in the spaces under the skin. Um, So his head went into all sorts of shapes. Um, It was really confronting. I guess I just got used to it. Um, But for someone walking in and seeing a baby like that, it is like it does take you back a bit. Um, Yeah. And for me, yeah, working in the nursery myself yeah. like I've come across babies like this and it's not all the time and it often can be associated with like extreme pem- prematurity and I think mm-hmm. even Ethan is associated with his spine fifida too yes. yeah um and it is it is confronting because you know I think it's that as society we put on Instagram and Facebook things like that all we show is these perfect babies we say in quotation marks with like yeah you know looking what we as a society say is perfect so then to mm-hmm. you know your own baby that's going through so much and facial changes and things like that it is extremely confronting that's right and i actually um i had so many people asking me how ethan's going like an update on him and at that point i was really quiet because that's what he was going through with his head and i mean to me i, I didn't care he, he looked beautiful um but again to like the outside world i was always concerned as to what they would think or and i always felt like i would have to explain myself like explain why he looked that way um so i did share a post on my social media just about hydrocephalus awareness really um yeah and that 
yeah what what it is and what can happen and but um yeah. to see Ethan now he did have a VP shunt inserted um so his head is now a normal shape you can see the tube that he does have running from his head through down to his um belly but otherwise and that just amazes me also that something like that can just completely change a head shape mm. and it's just to help drain all that excess fluid as well that's right yeah so that's been working so far which is really good and I think the most amazing thing out of all of this and it's a credit to you Carla Ethan and your entire family that you have remained positive the whole time but also you haven't looked at this looked at this as like a diagnosis you have looked at it as a situation that you know we need to educate more people on it and raise awareness about spina bifida and some of the complications that can happen to a baby that's born premature or going through um, a NICU experience. And that is a massive credit to you because a lot of people wouldn't do that. And I'm extremely grateful and proud of you for coming on and chatting with me today to raise awareness for all of this. Thank you. I guess too, when I started looking at um, trying to research things, just surrounding spina bifida or even just the in utero surgery, it was very limited as to what I could find within Australia. Mm. Um, obviously, there was a lot of things overseas and that type of thing, but to kind of relate, I found it easy to relate when I read a story of someone close by. Um, yeah. um, so I did find a lot of things related to the Mata Mothers with the surgery. So that's kind of where I got my and all those stories were so positive as well um so it was really beautiful to watch and read and see that so that's kind of what I was hoping our story would do would bring hope and positivity and just to let them know that they're not a not alone going through this if ever anyone else has to go through what we've gone through yeah and it is you're amazing and your story is amazing but most importantly like Ethan is incredible and resilient and that leads me to my next question that how is Ethan going at the moment he's really good he is just a perfect little baby um just eats sleeps and repeats that uh, yeah. nothing bothers him um he hardly ever cries he's just a really good little baby so yeah he's just amazing and health-wise he's doing really good he's had a few checkups and everyone's just really happy with his development um and his growth and everything like that so yeah yeah and in terms of the road ahead for ethan what does that look like so he will have three monthly um checkups um for spina bifida and also just baby clinic because he was born so premature um so at the moment his spina bifida appointments are more just to maintain that baseline that he has rather than treatment appointments. Um, they were really happy with him as a person and him as a spina bifida baby. So, um, and then as for um, his prematurity, they're all really happy as well. He's meeting those milestones um, for his corrected age. So yeah, I, I, he's just sailing through life. After everything that he's been through, I think he deserves just to have yeah. a bit of chilling <laughs> he definitely does and you know he's gone through more than like in his short time of life than yeah. a grown adult 
could go through. I know. And I've always, I mean, I kick my toe and want to complain and think it's the worst thing ever yet to have five major surgeries for a little baby all before his due date. Um, it just goes to show how resilient all these babies are in the NICU. I mean, they're all little fighters. They're all yeah. amazing. And as a healthcare professional, especially working in the NICU, like we know how resilient these babies are and they go through so much, but they are one of the only types of population groups that can really get through almost anything. Oh, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. And I was on a 10K run last night. First time I've run 10K since I fractured my foot early on. And I had interviewed two beautiful guests yesterday and they went through hard times. And I was like, I'm so tired, but I can do this because all these women and babies and everyone get through this. So can I, and I can't complain about being tired, running up a hill, like just puts life into perspective once again. Yeah, but good on you for running. I can't even walk up the stairs without getting puffed. So well done. Well, you have an excuse. (laughs) I don't. Um, But Carla, I really appreciate you coming on and chatting with me today and just helping raise awareness um, about spina bifida and everything that you've gone through, like your in utero uh, operation. You're absolutely amazing. Ethan's amazing. Your family is so resilient. And my last question to you is if anyone ever finds themselves in the same position of their baby being diagnosed with spina bifida, do you have any words of advice or is there anything that you want people to know about spina bifida? I think um, being told in our circumstance, being told that Ethan had spina bifida really kind of did take, initially took the joy away of finding out you're pregnant. Um, It's just such a whirlwind of different emotions and hard chats, paperwork, everything. Um, So my advice would probably be to still enjoy your baby. Like Mm -hmm. diagnosis aside, oh, I could cry again. (laughs) Um, But diagnosis aside, they're still your baby. Um, They're still going to do all those baby things. You're still going to love them, enjoy them, everything. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think it's been hard for me maybe because on top of like the spina bifida, he's had the premature and then the bowel surgery and then the brain surgery. So there's been so much where I haven't really got to just boast in that newborn bubble, um, which is really what I'm doing now. Um, I don't think I'll put him down. He actually like doesn't get a break from me. He probably wants a break, but he's not getting a break from me. So um, I just, um, yeah, just lap up, lap up your baby no matter what. Yeah. And you know, you deserve to cuddle him every second of the day and he deserves to be cuddled every second of the day too after what you've both been through. So you should be incredibly proud of yourself. Um, And once again, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Bye, Carla. See you later. Thank you for listening to today's episode of MIDI. Your support means the absolute world to me. So if you loved this episode and want to stay up to date with the latest interviews and midwifery education, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For further information about this episode, please check the show notes below. If you wish to share your pregnancy and motherhood experience, you can get in touch with me by emailing hello at themidisociety.com.au and find us on Instagram at at themidisociety or at Monique underscore Maitland. I cannot wait for you to join me next week. I'll be talking all things flap chat. 
In the meantime, I hope you have an amazing week. And remember, you're doing the best you can. Thank you.